This is an ABC podcast. Midnight madness in Melbourne. Oh, these rallies. Wow. Ridiculous. What a shot. Just when you think you have seen it all. Welcome to the ABC Tennis Podcast. It is day 13. I'm Catherine Murphy. I'm with John Alexander and John Millman. We are at Rod Laver Arena ahead of a huge day at the Australian Open. So much to talk about. The women's final is set as Arena Sabalenka and King Wenjen advance in straight sets. It's men's semi-finals day and contrasting fortunes in doubles for the Australian players. Good morning, J.A., good morning, John. How are you two holding up? John, you're even trying to press buttons in the studio. Your your podcasting skills have really advanced. Yeah, I'm trying to take over bit by bit. (laughs) Lauren's worried about her job, but that's okay. How are you guys Searching for the next career and the one after. Searching for my next words too, (laughs) (laughs) J.A. It's a bit like that for all of us. Um, Well, yeah. Somebody said at the beginning of this week that a Grand Slam doesn't start the second week. After the first week, I thought, that, well, that's a you know, pretty incredible statement, but not far from the truth the way it's turned out because these matches have just gone from great to even better uh, to last uh, night's semifinals of women's singles. If you talk about two great semifinals, I don't think we've ever had two such great quality matches and intriguing matches as we did last night. It was absolutely the, one of the great days for women's tennis. It was, and here is the moment. Arena Sabalenka booked her place in the final. Sabalenka, match point, serves out wide, goes back and into the net. Sensational Sabalenka, she's into the Australian Open final once more. And there's no stopping her momentum in 2024. And she claims revenge for the US Open final. Clinchy there and to hear all the action you can go to the ABC Listen app press that tennis button sensational Sabalenka I think that sums it up really well yeah she was fantastic it was one of those matches that looks like that looked like it might extend to the third set both women were playing great tennis and then all of a sudden she took that moment and it was game over no she's been going great she has been the she's looked the best hasn't she when Rebakina went out after Rebakina's performance against her at the Brisbane International, you thought that that was potentially the grand final matchup. But when she went out, it really Sabalenka became the hot favourite, and she's taken that. She's taken that pressure too, which is what I find pretty impressive. Ja. Well, it, it was interesting because in the first set there was uh, moments of a crisis of confidence. Uh, she had an early lead and five-two. Uh, uh, there was a double fault on a very critical game at thirty all, and then going into the tiebreak, you would have thought the trend was going against her, but really recomposed. And that's what she talked about before in her match pre-match interview, that she has learned to sort of be in the moment and not carry that baggage of expectation or wanting to win the match and just drawing herself back to playing the next point. And her maturity, I think, uh, is is growing by the day. Also, her ability to play more than just blast every shot, because last night there was a lot of uh, cut and thrust and uh, real tennis, just not shot making. And that's what made the the encounter so intriguing and involving for everybody here. Yeah, I think Sabalenka two years ago doesn't come back and win that. After having the lead and then letting it slip and showing a few nerves, she doesn't come back and win that. She's 
a much more refined player now. She believes in herself. I think winning does that. When she won, broke through and won that first Grand Slam, you could tell she just relaxed. This was her moment now, and, and she's definitely the favourite going into the final. But Coco, you know, on the other side of things, fought back magnificently, you know, some five years her junior, um, and you, you could see the influence of uh, Brad Gilbert on her when there's this suspect forehand. A number of times she played that higher looping ball to give herself greater margins over the net to keep the ball in play. She played some slices to keep the ball in play. Um, possibly not absolutely at her best, but you only play as well as your opponent lets you, and... Uh, Sabalenka was very unreasonable and hard to play against last night for anyone. So hard to play against. Let's talk about both of their serves, starting with Coco Goff. She was struggling on the second serve and Arena Sabalenka picked this up early and was waiting for her. I'm going to use your phrase. She was hitting the cover off the ball on that second serve. There was one particular forehand cross-court winner off the second serve and Coco was really trying to adjust because she could see this happening. If you had to pick one shot that was letting Coco down, it's got to be that, but you've got to credit her with the fact that it was such a close match, even though that was the case. I think there, there's some part of it, there's a great deal of exhilaration when you're serving at 200 Ks, and, and Coco was serving at 200 Ks and on the line, but a percentage of first serves was down, you know, somebody's got to keep count of these things, down around 50%. Yeah. Her second serve, there's so much pressure on it. I think at one stage she served four double faults over a number of a couple of games. Uh, you're uh, fearful of the attack on the second serve. And the old saying, an average first serve is a whole lot better than a great second serve. And so the advice uh, to Coco should be just moderate that first serve. Look to try to get 70 to 75% of your first serves in by not going for that enormous first serve all the time, which feels great, feels exhilarating, but uh, doesn't pay the bills. Look, it was obviously a clear tactic from Sabalenka to get after the Coco Goff uh, second serve, and in doing so, that'll put a bit of pressure on that first serve to try to make it, like you said, J.A. It will be interesting to see what happens in the future now when girls come up against Coco Goff. You know, are they going to employ a similar tactic? How to blunt that first serve might be to be going very um, aggressive off that second serve return. So I think that'll be something to watch this space in the next 12 months because we're always trying to learn off what our peers are doing. You know, if a peer's finding a, if a colleague's finding a little chink in the armour of one of our opponents, you can guarantee everyone talks about it in the locker room. And, really? Oh, Straight sure. away, they're pointing at the TV. They're saying, oh, that second serve. For sure. Off. Yeah, you're always trying to, to look for little inroads that you can make and... That happens 100%. Stunning match to watch. It was really interesting, though, to hear what Coco Goff thought of her performance. You know, US Open, I felt like, wasn't like a great match, like, for me. And uh, yes, I won. I think I played better tonight. Um, I wish I could have made more first serves. Uh, I think that was the difference. She had a higher first serve percentage, and it's tough um, to also go for the second. Um, when you double faulted a couple times. There you have it. So that's on her mind now. What I want to ask you two is, they are growing an incredible rivalry, which makes me so excited because tennis needs rivalries. We've had that in the men's game for so long. In women's, it's been so patchy. I mean, Serena was winning everything. Then she retired. We never got to see Ash Barty and Iga Swiatek. I still 
play their potential matchups in my head. We missed out, I think, when we lost that. Now we have two women who are happily embracing the rivalry. But next time Coco plays Arena, is she thinking about that second serve a lot? Absolutely. Uh, when you listen to what she's saying, she's spot on. And she will now go and work on her second serve to beef that up. Uh, when you've got a good second serve, it gives takes a bit of pressure off your first serve and you know, you'll get more first serves in. But the idea of getting more first serves in, there's simple little things you can do at the end of a practice session. You, you, you serve 20 balls and you count how many go in and you don't let yourself leave until you get it up to 15. And then if you really want to be cruel, 15 two, twice in a row. So then you find that you've got to moderate the first serve to get that higher percentage in. And sometimes you can cheat a little bit by, by moderating and varying the serve, not going for the 200k serve so often on the first serve. Can you believe we're talking about Coco Goff's serve and not Arena Sabalenka? It's only two years ago that she was publicly playing out the yips at the Australian Open. She had Mark Philippoussis trying to help her. It was all over the media. I noticed yesterday a really crucial moment when she double-faulted. She had less double-faults than Coco. I think it was in the final last year when she double-faulted. She turned back to pick up a ball and she shook her shoulders and smiled to try and loosen her shoulders. The smile thing is a scientific thing to tell your brain you're happy even when you're not doesn't work for me. I've tried it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw her trying to do that. So I was waiting for her to shake off that double fold. And instead, she picked up the next ball. Her face didn't change and she aced it. That's a huge turnaround. Yeah, it's been the evolution of Sabalenka. And like you touched on two years ago, she was really struggling. I, I remember seeing her out on 1573 and she was doing a session there and just hitting second serves and it was all over the shop. So I think that this is an incredible effort because I can't imagine how difficult it is once you've got something in your head. It's like me with my short putting <laughs> on the golf course you know once you get something in your head it's all you can think about and so for her to completely change that in two years she now looks like she's got it completely mastered um, she's going to have those little moments but she's not letting it affect her but the other test uh, there was a huge scream for her after a first serve fault and she went to serve and then had to walk away came back and that was a real test of nerve on a second serve got the second serve in and got it in quite nicely not overcooked not undercooked just uh, composed so there's a, a real another test that she passed was that the one where she was actually laughing because it was such a positive someone was shouting <laughs> out to her at one point it's going around social media go arena and she's just loving it and she has to stop for a minute and have a laugh. This was it sounded like a teenage boy man and the voice cracked halfway through the, 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 the claim. So there was a, <laughs> his, his deeper feelings were, were shown to all. She does that to people. Oh, yeah, she's I can a, imagine. Yeah. She's an imposing person and, and a real presence about her. And she definitely, you know, I don't like to admit it, J.A., because she was your pick, but... She is 100% the player to beat and has looked like that for, what, since round of 16? She has. And you know what I've loved? Because her dad died in 2019. He was on the tour with her. For a lot of people, when something like that happens in your personal life, you have work as an escapist route. You know, you go back to work, at least it's still the same. 
but for her to go back the to on the tour and for him to be missing, what I love most is how much fun she's having. Like, you look at those cameras they have on the corridors. Is there another player having more fun with her team? I mean, not sure I'd want to be on her team. I mean, she's the boss. She decides the warm-ups, whatever she wants to do. She's signing their heads sometimes. She's kicking stuff off their heads and she's very talented so she doesn't miss it's fine but she just looks like she's having so much fun i think you can have fun when you're totally in command of all your weapons you're in command of your game i, I think you have a bit of fun don't you it's a it's a nice feeling to be when you rock up to the courts and you know you're probably the best person there it's a happy place but they do they take care of the shop i mean there's no doubt about that they're, they're having some light-hearted moments prior to a match but that's a little bit of just getting the things things balanced so you're not overly tense going onto the court well 10 years after lena won the australian open king wenjen has defeated diana yastremska 6464 she is through to the final here's what she had to say after that win i believe on the destiny yes i do um yeah, like you say, but you know, I try to don't let another things affect me, even its destiny. Um, you know, I, when everything is working well, I believe on the destiny. But if the destiny doesn't go on my side, I don't believe that at all. So only depends where destiny goes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great way to approach it. Let's go deep. J.A., John, do you believe in destiny? Yeah, you, well, what she said is perfect. You can take it or leave it. If it's if it's complimentary, yes, I believe <laughs> in it. And things aren't going bad. Oh, that guy that does the destiny, that spooky guy in the sky who you can't see, who watches everything, who's got ten rules that you've got to obey. What do you think, John? You're not ready for this level of deep conversation yeah. on day 13. I can tell by the look on your face. No, but I'll... we're deep. I was trying yeah, yeah, to formulate yeah. an answer in my head, but it's just uh, there's only <laughs> clouds on. in but there. I threw, I threw you <laughs> off. Yeah, I'm it's, sorry. It's not there. No, look, I, I think um, she's put herself in this position. She's playing great tennis. Do I believe in destiny? Um, perhaps. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, that's all I got for you, Catherine. Oh, there you go. Perhaps still philosophical, even when he's tired. And the injury and the time out. And you could look at her face and, and she was truly distraught. There was no questioning that you know, this was you know, a serious you know, injury. She felt pain. She left the court. Uh, Shang practiced her serve. But when the match resumed, her first point was a double fault. So these injury times out are distracting for the other player. There's no two ways about it. This is going to be tough for her. So much expectation in the final, but also the recent memory of losing in straight sets at the US Open quarterfinal a few months ago, which was her first Grand Slam quarterfinal against Sabalenka, who appears to be playing even better now. That's a lot to think about for yeah, her. Yeah, there's no doubt that Sabalenka is playing better at this Australian Open than she was at the US Open. She seems to really like these courts, Sabalenka. Obviously, she was really good last year. Um, yeah, Jun Kin Wen. I feel like I'm always pronouncing that name wrong, so I... I so would you believe, I, I went to the WTA, John, and because on the WTA website they have that little clicker yes. where you can listen. So you've said it right, King Wen Jen is how she says it. But like it often happens for years, because she's the world number 10 now, it was 
pronounced a different way and it's only now that I suppose because she's rising to prominence so I checked in with them and said which is it and they said go off that so King Wen Jen is what the WTA are saying okay but they also understand that this happens right this happens all the time when players really rise to stardom that we really yeah we have to I checked in with them but the interesting thing is since the US Open Jen has improved enormously Form and what happens in the match in the final is dependent on what's happened in the last few days and the last few weeks. And Jen has improved enormously in the last two weeks. She's grown in stature and confidence. She's got you know, great match uh, recent history, and that's what she's taking onto the court for the final. So yeah. it's and going got, to be a real match. And she's got Pierre Reba back in her coaching box, and don't underestimate that, you know, that... She was nearly coachless at the end of last year because her coach went to Naomi Osaka's. Yes. One Bissett, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That that's his name. Win Fassett. Win Fassett. Yeah. Yeah. Win Fassett. So, yeah, he left her. Win, Win Fassett left her to go to Osaka when Osaka announced her um, return to the tour. And then Pierre Reba rejoined Kim Wen Jen. So, not that long ago, she, she she was coachless. So it's been a fantastic story for her. I love the the history of it all. Ten years since uh, Lena lifted the title here, who's one of her heroes. And she's playing really good tennis. She's serving raise... at a high percentage. She's hitting a lot of winners. When she has time on that forehand, it can be really d- dynamic and explosive. Um, Sabalenka's obviously the favorite. But I'll tell you what, if destiny's shining, then she'll win. You raise a really good point, though. I can't believe I'd forgotten that because she was openly upset by that. I think in the end, her coach had said to her, I don't feel a connection to you and just left for Osaka. And I remember her being openly, because you know the way it is, people always pretend that every split is amicable in tennis and in life. I mean, J.A. So... (laughs) It's one of those ones where she just said, no, that wasn't cool. And she's proving that she deserves a good coach. She is a star on the rise. Yeah, and, and she is a star on the rise. And in China, I can't imagine if she can lift this title, the stardom she'll have in that country. Okay, let's talk about doubles because there was mixed fortunes for Aussie players in doubles. Matt Ebden and Rowan Bapana, what a story they are. They beat Mahash and Jung. They're through to the final, took the first set in half an hour, lost the second set. The third one went to a super tiebreaker. But I truly believe that Matt Ebden... He's literally got a crowd of kids in the stadium shouting, let's go Australia, after any time he had any input into a point. These kids were so loud that people were staring at them because obviously only one out of four competitors on the doubles court were Australian. And that's the great thing about a home slam. Yeah, but we'll adopt Rohan Bapana, especially if they can win the, the title. Um, Fantastic. They had it on their racket. They should have actually closed that one out in straight sets. Um, they kind of let that one slip, but to then regain their composure and, and win the, the third set was a great effort. And how good is this? Matt Ebden returns to the final. He's come close to lifting this title a couple of times, the last time being with uh, Max Purcell. So it'd be great to see him go one better. He's having a phenomenal last 12 months on the doubles court. 
He is. And Rowan Bapano, we touched on it briefly yesterday. At 43 years of age, he becomes world number one in doubles for the first time. That's the oldest player ever to do that. Well, our, our Prime Minister, who's commonly known as Australia's number one tennis player, um, he needs to move quickly to arrange this immigration to have him made Australian before the next election. What a vote winner. What an immense player he is. And um, we know that you do play tennis with the Prime Minister sometimes, J.A. Is he any good? Well, yeah, he plays a great game. He plays with Peter Carlyle, who beat uh, Mark Philippoussis as a junior. I played with uh, Kevin Hogan. We play on Thursday mornings and we had more laughs. And uh, on the day that uh, you know, we were rearranging our, our uh, leadership, um, I called up Anthony. I said, well, there's nothing we can do, right? Uh, the house has been prorogued or whatever it is. Let's go and play tennis. So we went and played for about an hour and a half, two hours, and we really worked on each other's game. And uh, I had him serving and volleying. I had him doing a slice. Of course serve. you had him and, serving and volleying. And, and, and what the great thing was, the next time we played, he's trying to do it. Well, in the moment that you're learning, you sort of go backwards a little bit. You say, do. Are you saying it was Kevin terrible I, yeah, when you tried to implement? Yeah, too modest to say who won that game, but... Um, <laughs> It was a lot. Of, he is a very, very keen. He plays badge for Marrickville Lawn in the Saturday afternoon comps. Does he win? Sometimes. And, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> no, but it, really good. Honestly, if Maddie can lift the title, it'll be fantastic. They're up against the Italians, though. Yeah. Bellelli has always Thank been you. such Speaking a good player. Thank you. Speaking of pronunciations, John. So Bellelli. Simone Bellelli. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, was I want leaving... you to say his partner. Oh, I've got it. It's Vavasori. 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 Yes. In an Irish it. accent. Sorry, no, to Mr. Vavasori. And he's a he's a, actually a great guy, Vavasori. Um, the Italians will be good. They, I, I think, Ebden Bopana are the favourites going into this match, though, for sure. But these Italians, they'll play some really good tennis. I thought that it suited them when the, the roof was closed yesterday. It was kind of kind of gave off that European indoor feel, which they play some really good tennis on. So I think that Bopana Ebden will be hoping that the elements are in play, the roof's open. It'd be fantastic for them to lift it, but these Italians, they're handy. Okay, earlier I mentioned the fact that we always pretend that relationship breakdowns are amicable. This is a tennis podcast, so I'm always talking about tennis. Don't worry, J.A. What I was teasing is the fact that Storm Hunter and Katerina Siniakova, they had to take on Sue Weishay and Elise Mertens. Elise Mertens is the ex-partner of Storm Hunter. Hunter and Siniakova are out of the competition. So, amicable breakups, John, you don't like getting into the gossip part of this, but not easy to lose to the ex. No, definitely. That, that isn't easy. And I commentated this match. It was a bit scrappy. <laughs> to be fair, Hunter Siniakova had that game on their racket. They were up 4-love in the first set, 40-15 to go up 5-love, and Siniakova misses a duff high forehand volley on top of the net. She misses that wide to go up 5-love. They end up losing the first set 7-5. They win the second set. And then they had all the opportunities at the start of the third set. And you know what happens, J.A.? You have all those opportunities. You don't take one. Your opponents take that one half chance. And it's curtains. It's game over. I will say the most animated on court was Elise Mertens. She seemed like... I know you, this goss stuff. I'm not really... Up for all the goss talk, talk, Catherine, but 
Mertens really wanted it like a lot. Whenever she won like an exchange, <laughs> the way you the, say it. No, when, whenever she wanted the exchange, whenever she won the exchange from the back of the court, there were massive fist pumps. When she won, she actually pulled off a really good back end angle flick pass to win it, and yeah, she did like almost like a semi half lap, and she was pumped. So yeah, look, probably a little bit of no love lost there. I'm not. I don't want to spread, you know, light the flame a little bit, but obviously you want to beat your partner uh you can say you know we're we're friends and it's all great but you do want to beat your partner and um i really felt for storm because they really had that game on their racket that was a big opportunity and when they split storm hunters said it was because they weren't always on the same page in pressurized situations on the court so can you imagine storm hunters mindset watching the pressurized situation and how it's now panning out and that it became so animated. Well, I think you could say that there's a very, very you know, joyous honeymoon period happening here and one team is going from strength to strength and the other one can uh, rethink things and uh, get better under pressure. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think it was one of those ones under pressure. Like I said, the Duff forehand volley wasn't wasn't good at all. That, that was I thought that was more of a kind of lifting the foot off the pedal, lifting the foot off the gas. You're up four lava. We'll put that away. We missed it, and it just invited Merton's Shay to get back in. And Shay's crafty. It's I I haven't properly watched, and I should have, but in the past I haven't properly watched her play doubles. And it is some really different tactics going on. J A. An example would be when Shay misses her first serve, Merton's who's at the net will run back for the second serve. So they're both on the baseline for the second serve. So she missed the first serve and Merton sprints back to the baseline and then they're both on the baseline when Shay's serving the second serve. Like it is really strange tennis. And then Shay tries to make her way into the net eventually. It's, yeah, it's but odd. It's it's very fluid. You know, that would not be a vote of confidence if my partner came back to the baseline after I missed my first serve. But what they do, they attack from the baseline. It's almost like it's a shooting gallery. The other team then comes to the net, drawn to the net, and then they have a whack at them and around them. And, you know, the attacker is often at the back of the court. It is a very different game to how it was played. Yeah. It's really entertaining. And less formatted. And and, and it's, it's exciting. There's lots of great shots. And I think, you know, that doubles is, is making a comeback and mixed doubles is making a comeback. And that's great for the sport. I feel like there are a few little areas where the doubles could introduce that would make it a little more exciting. I don't think they need 25 seconds on the shot clock. Like I think that is way too long. I think it should be sh shorter, sharper. Sometimes they're taking the full 25 after a serve first ball volley away. So I think that the shot clock should be reduced in doubles. I don't think they need as much time on the change events. Well, they have ex ex explored different rules in doubles at times, you know, with the match you know, tie break in the final set. Could the server simply be allowed to serve as soon as they're ready, or should the clock start as soon as, or the on the other side of things, as soon as the receiving team is ready, the server must serve within 15 seconds. So you're actually playing the clock, and you can take yeah. advantage. I, I, I feel like they could just speed it up a little bit. The other thing, Mertens and Siniakova, so on either sides of the, the net, they were both struggling immensely with their ball tosses. Like, they would throw it up and catch it, throw it up and catch it, like... I think, and I think this should be the rule in singles too, you throw up the ball toss, that's part of your serve and it's game on.
Yeah, wow, I, Andy Murray wouldn't like that. Remember, was it last year against Thanasi Kokonakis? I think it was his bull toss. He was just struggling and he's so polite that he kept saying sorry, sorry. And I think he had four goes. So you just take that out of the game. I think so. Yeah, I think w the ball toss should be part of the throwing motion, the service motion, and it should be game on. Because yesterday in that doubles, it was getting to the point where they had the full 25 seconds, a couple of miscued ball tosses, and it felt like it was, at times, 45 to a minute between points. So once the ball, a player's gone into the service motion, tosses the ball, does the clock stopped because I reckon I've seen players in the past, they really weren't ready to serve and they intentionally mistossed, stopped the clock and then yeah, regathered. Uh, so it's a lot of, yeah, it's funny to have a rule that is not enforced. Yeah. yeah and rules I, are rules and should be enforced and the, the time situation is not enforced. And, and yesterday, I know exactly what you mean, Jay, but yesterday it had nothing to do with, you know, trying to milk a few more seconds out of the shot clock. It's, both girls were really struggling. Mind you, there was no wind or anything. It was actually a closed roof, but they were really struggling. So I just think it's, it's, a, it's a skill you can practice. You can practice your ball toss it, it, quite easily. It's a skill you can practice. It should be part of the serve. I like that idea. Can you, can you practice getting very, very anxious and nervous and you've got a little one-ounce ball in your hand and the slightest miscue you know, sends it all over the place? That's the hard thing. You know, we can all toss the ball up when we're sitting in the living room and you know, do a really good job. But when it's 30, 40, fault one and you've, you're playing for a lot of money against your ex and the world is watching, um, it becomes much more <laughs> difficult. Yeah, and it, but, it, but it also becomes difficult under pressure to land a second serve or to land a forehand or to, to soften the hands and, and execute a drop shot. You know, it should just be part and parcel with the game. You just want to cut down all the messing around in tennis, and I love it. It would be a quicker game. Before the end of this series, I want you to put down on paper the changes you would make to tennis. Now you've finished playing, which is quite convenient. Okay, it's men's semi-final day. We don't have a lot of time. We'll be analysing both of these matchups tomorrow. I can't wait to see Novak Djokovic take to the court at 2.30pm to take on Yannick Sinner, of course, all live on the ABC Listen app. Go and press that tennis button. I know you've picked Sinner for the tournament, J.A. John, can Sinner beat Novak Djokovic today? Yeah, he definitely can. He's the, the form player, he hasn't dropped a set yet. Novak is a different beast in best of five set tennis and especially best of five set tennis at the Australian Open. He would have been priming for this match. This is one when he saw the draw, he would have semi-expected now Yannick Sinner to be there in the semi-finals. So he would have had one eye on this matchup. I still think Novak wins, but yeah, Yannick is playing some great tennis. And I'd love to see the Italian go out there and play his best tennis because his best tennis can get the job done against Novak. Yep. No, nobody knows, but... Sinner has a real chance, and that's what makes it so exciting because you, you're coming, you, no one really knows who's going to win, and it's going to be one hell of a match. It's the greatest player of all time. Is this the beginning of the end, or does he go from being even from great, great, great to great, the, great, great? The, great. One, the one thing I do think is a guarantee is Novak comes out completely locked in and he wants to make a, a statement from the very first point. So Yannick has to be ready to go because you just know that Novak knows how important that first set is. If Novak wins the first set, 
I think it becomes really difficult for Sinner to get the chocolates. Like the first game against Fritz, which went for 20 mm. minutes. He got in there and said, this is how tough it's going to be, big boy. How, lo- how do you feel about going five sets with me? I am counting down the minutes. I think this is the match we've all been waiting for. In a word, Medvedev or Zverev? Well, it's not going to be in a word. <laughs> give me give me as much uh, as you like. No, I like Medvedev for this one. Um, even though I was really impressed for nearly three sets of that match with Zverev, that's as good as I've seen Zverev play post-ankle surgery. Medvedev, he won three of the four meetings with uh, Zverev last year. I think he'll be really happy that he's in that night session. And I've been looking at the temperature. I think it's relatively cool tonight. And I think that that aligns really well for Medvedev. He's so hard in those cooler conditions. It's so hard to get the ball past him. And I would know because I played him in similar conditions last year on Margaret Court Arena. So a very similar stadium court that we have here at Melbourne Park. And I I think that he's really tough in those conditions. Well, he's the quiet achiever. And you've got to always remember that he has beaten Novak in the final of a Grand Slam. So he can come up with the goods, uh, but he's sort of unsuspecting. But Zerev's form and his... It depends largely on his serving. If he does anything like what he did in the previous match, getting something like 90% of his first serves in for most of the time and close to the line, makes him sort of hard to beat. What, what I did find interesting was when they asked Medvedev, who would you prefer to play in the final if you were to get there? And he said... I actually don't know. He said the way that Sinner's playing right now, he's playing so well, maybe I'd prefer to play Djokovic, but I'm not sure. And that wouldn't have been the case many times where you're actually hoping that Djokovic doesn't make the grand, the, the, the final. It's interesting. Very interesting. Well, our friends at the AO Show, the official podcast of the Australian Open, they've been talking about all the action on day 12, including Sabalenka's win last night. Oh look, it was it was a, a really great match in my opinion. But the start, Arena Sabalenka looked irresistible. She got out of the the gates very quickly. But boy, Coco Goff did a really good job of just hanging around, hanging around. And in fact, it was up six five, and we thought she was going to go on uh, and take that first set. So look, the match had it all. I thought it was a, a quality match. It delivered in what we were expecting. Arena Sabalenka, boy, she's looking good. She's looked great all tournament, all summer here in Australia. And for me, she goes in the final as a firm favourite. That was a, a wonderful performance tonight. Simon, six breaks of serve in a topsy-turvy first set. And you're going to take us inside the numbers regarding the service performances tonight. Yeah, well, I think any time you've got two elite performers like this, the margins don't have to be great to create separation in the match. So, And Josh called the match, but I think... First serve percentage, Sabalenka lands 76% of her first serves, and she's got an enormous first serve to begin with. Coco Goff's one of the few players, one of the very few players that can maybe match Sabalenka for speed, but she only lands that first serve tonight across both sets 57% of the time. So that's a big gap in, in a match of really fine margins, 19% in terms of first serve landed differential. And then the work done in behind the second serve. So Sabalenka wins 52% of her second serve points tonight on her own serve. Goff's down at 39. Yeah, okay. So I think it ties in with what Arena's trying to achieve on second serve return, on top of the baseline, coming at you, taking away time, signalling intent at all times, at every opportunity. And Goff tries to do it a little differently on second serve return, but I think against Sabalenka, I think it was tough tonight. I think she got exposed at times. To hear more of that conversation, have a listen to the AO show to hear more of our conversation. 
We will be back tomorrow. I cannot wait to talk to you two about these two men's semi-finals. Hard to believe. Only two more days left after today. J.A. and John, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for thanking me. Thank you. And, and I even... thank you. Thank, 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 thank. And I even <laughs> understand that reference now. I've learned so much. That's all from us today. We'll be back on the ABC Tennis Podcast tomorrow.